Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mr. Fryer, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? It's a Wu-Tang Wednesday. And I promise I didn't get Evan Altman on the show again just because it was Wu-Tang Wednesday. I got him on the show because there's significant Cubs news that we're going to talk about in just a second. Evan Altman is the editor-in-chief of CubsInsider.com. You should go check it out. He's got a lot of cool videos, podcasts, and and the stuff that he writes is all available for you at CubsInsider.com. He joins me on Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. (laughs) Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Before we talk about the Cubs and, and Seiya Suzuki, First things first, Evan, how would you classify Redman's relationship to Wu-Tang Clan? Um, Well, you know, I I think if we're really going back to it, obviously the closest tie is with Method Man, right? I mean, they've done albums together, they've toured together, and so you go that way. But if you go back, uh, what was it? uh, Was it A a Better Tomorrow? Uh, he, He was featured on a few of the songs pretty heavily on that album, so uh, and, I, and I know he he's he runs around with those guys. Uh, was it um, Sophia Chen? That was the manager. Yes, uh, she was his manager for a while. And Rizzas. So um, you know he he's adjacent. Uh, I, I guess maybe not quite as much so as Remedy, who just dropped an album fairly recently. But uh, he'd be like the tenth or eleventh or not tenth, the eleventh or like twelfth ish member. I guess if you wanted to, if they were to uh, annex. Him, if you go that route. But, All right, uh, yeah, I like that. Like him being woo adjacent. I need to get a shirt that says that, like woo adjacent. That would work out really well. All right, that's fair. I, I think that that is a fair characterization of Redman and his connection to Wu-Tang Clan. I, I know that people have been talking about Seiya Suzuki and him maybe being a cub. When the news broke, what did you immediately think? Um, I was very excited about it, uh, partially because I've been somewhat obsessingly kind of covering that possibility. And so I did the same thing with, uh, Shohei Otani uh, a few years ago, and then that didn't come to fruition, you know, so it sort of felt like, oh, darn, you know, <laughs> like I've been telling everybody this guy would be perfect. And, uh, and then it didn't happen. So with this one, I, I think it's, it's really interesting on a number of different levels because, you know, everyone, it, it, there, there was the. Marcus Stroman signing right there, kind of the 11th hour before the lockout. And then you have, you know, uh, three months of nothing. And so I think a lot of people sort of forgot about that. So the Cubs didn't really get splashy right out of it. And everybody's like, oh, here we go again. They're not going to make any moves. What's happening? And this really changed the tenor of the of the second offseason here for them, I think. Um, really makes it look, I mean, it's a, it's a significant spend. It's a guy who checks a lot of boxes for them. 
and really signals that, hey, uh, especially with the no trade clause being in there, that they're very intent on competing right away and for at least the next five years, right? Ideally beyond that, but it's a five-year deal. So I, I think it's excellent. And uh, to me, it portends other deals because the Cubs, as they are made up right now, are not by any stretch a guarantee to win the Central, let alone to do any make any real noise in the, in the National League beyond that. So uh, I think it's a sign that the more stuff's coming. For Cubs fans who haven't done the deep dive on Suzuki, what are what are the Cubs fans getting? Well, you're looking at kind of a potential, you know, five tool, and I, and I think you know certainly some of this translate uh, literally and figuratively, right? These numbers are all from uh, NPV, but really patient plate approach. Uh, it's a guy who's over the last three years he's walked. Uh, significantly more than he struck out. The last two years are about even, but three years ago he really jumped up. Um, you know, statistically speaking, you're looking at what 91 homers, 82 doubles last three years combined. Um, only 27 years old, so he's significantly younger. And here's the other thing: a lot of people, uh, a lot of times, you know, they think about Japanese players coming over, and due to the nature of their contracts there, you typically don't see those guys come over till they're maybe in their 30s. So this is someone who's entering his athletic prime versus kind of sunsetting on it. I think that's going to be very helpful. A lot of speed, strong arm, corner outfield type. So I think what you're looking at is is very possibly someone who could supplant Jason Hayward as the everyday right fielder, maybe make Hayward more of a platoon option, which probably plays up to his strengths a little bit better as well. You know, somebody who can man at least two outfield positions and uh, again, a little bit of speed. So, uh, really just, again, outside of being a right-handed hitter, which uh, I know the Cubs need a lot of lefty power, he uh, he's one of those guys, and, uh, you know, again, high contact, not a big strikeout guy. So really, really something that the Cubs have been looking for for a long time, and, and I think uh, he's someone who fills those needs and, and should carry him through kind of this next uh, few years. How do you balance what you see from a player playing in a foreign league versus what they're going to go up against in Major League Baseball? You know, I think that the toughest part there is just, you know, outside of we could look at field dimensions. We could talk about some of the things like I think culturally there's a big shift as well. And that and that takes, you know, it doesn't matter where you're coming from, whether it be the Dominican or uh, Japan or anything like that. Where, you know, language barriers and just, again, the, the way we do things here, right, uh, are different. You have to adjust to that. But, you know, I think when you talk about, uh, in, in Japan, they generally go with a six-man rotation. That's a little bit different. Uh, but the way we do things uh, in, the, in the States now that the pitchers have been going up, you know, the average fastball is this much higher. Uh, the, and we've got a lot of Japanese pitchers out there who are throwing really, really hard as well. So um, I, I do think, though, just the elite level of talent, you know, think about it like maybe moving from – division two to division one, you know, or, or the FCS to FBS at a smaller school uh, or to a power five, you know, if we're trying to put these in, in more terms that people are, are used to seeing it's just an overall deeper, higher level of talent. And so that can be uh, difficult to adjust, but as with anything else, the best players are the best players, no matter what, um, you know, are there a few shots that maybe were homers in Japan? That'll be gap shots and doubles here. Yeah, that, that could happen. Uh, but I think when you look at a guy like this who comes over with that kind of plate approach, that translates. Right? Power doesn't always translate. 
Uh, sometimes those strikeout numbers go up, but if you're someone who can go in there and, and handle the bat uh, with that contact approach and who's willing to wait out walks, those kind of things come over really well. And I think that's what Suzuki brings probably more than anything. That's what people should be excited about. I spent a lot of time this morning looking at highlights of him, and obviously it's highlights. It's him hitting home runs. It's him hitting doubles in the gap off the wall, like all of that stuff. I love his swing. I love it because there's a fluidity to it. I love that when he does his leg kick, there's he's got really good balance. And the the follow-through and finish of it, it's it's got some theater to it, and I dig that too. So I'm looking forward to like as far as right-handed swings go, I don't think a lot of them are pretty. I think his swing is. Yeah, and I think, you know, the other the other thing with him. And and you see this pretty uh, pretty compact guy, right? Five eleven, maybe a buck eighty five. Looks like you know he's listed around a buck eighty five. It looks like he's put on a little bit more uh, muscle, so you know maybe pushing two hundred even. So kind of that that squat kind of a dude who's really able, as you said, he's fluid, uh, but there's not a lot of elbows and knees and and length. You know, you see these guys that just have a lot of long levers. And sometimes that can be difficult with the timing. So when you're looking at that short, compact kind of player, he can really get to it quickly. Uh, I certainly don't want to draw any uh, direct comparisons, you know, to an Ichiro or someone like that. They're they're very different in that regard. But you talk about somebody whose skill was able to translate immediately just because of the way he played. I think there's a lot of this here, and and I think he's a guy who's going to bring some flair. You know, he's, he's got a little bit of that uh, uh, panache, if you will, uh, that, that certain je ne sais quoi. Nice. Uh, if, if, pardon my French. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> who can come in and, uh, and, and he did. You know, when he spoke about where he was going to make his choice, he talked about wanting the culture and the atmosphere, the environment. I think a lot of people might have heard that and said, oh, he's looking for to make sure he can have a strong Japanese culture. And not to say that Chicago doesn't have, you know, it's a complete melting pot. So you can find just about any culture worldwide that you would look for. But typically you think of the West Coast when you think of uh, strong Japanese populations. But I think it was more one of those where he, he wants a place that, and this this is becoming a little bit overused, but I still love it, just a place that he can vibe, that he and his wife can can kind of settle in and have a second home during the season and just really soak in the atmosphere of the city. We heard about that from Marcus Stroman, and I think that's a similar decision here. So this is a guy who's coming to Chicago because he wants to be in Chicago. It's not just a matter of the Cubs saying, hey, we're going to throw more money at you than anybody else. Uh, so I, I think that's pretty cool, too. As you see that, anytime it, it just shows that he really wants to be there, I think that may help with his acclimation process. Evan Altman joining me here on The Score. He's the editor-in-chief of of Cubs Insider. You can check him out on Twitter at Altman. What do you believe, or what do you, what do you know about what Anthony Rizzo was offered last year by the Cubs? Um, I mean, it's I think the reports that are out there have have been accurate. You know that it was something in the neighborhood. Of, interestingly enough, about some of the reports about Suzuki, and I, you know, I think we've we've seen the numbers kind of vacillate a little bit, perhaps because of the the posting fee. But you know, if you look at about a seventy million dollars. Uh, in there, and I know there's it's kind of interesting now to look at it, given what he got from the Yankees. Right. So, oh my goodness, he should have taken that, you know. Um, but but I also think you know there's a certain measure of of pride 
we could call it ego, but but I think a lot of it too is you don't get to that level in any sport by being someone who's unwilling to take risks and by being someone who's not in, is supremely confident in your own abilities and your own value and contributions. And I think when you look at it though, yes, it's easy to say he should have just taken that deal. Uh, I think at the time, you know, before his performance from last year and everything else, it, that certainly looked like it was kind of a low offer. But I also think there's something to be said for the value intrinsically that he brought to the Cubs outside of his production, uh, to the community and to the organization and what he had meant to it. And that's not there with the Yankees or really any other team. You know, at, at that point, he becomes now a player whose value is based solely on what his production is. And so I do think there's a premium. Is that, you know, difference of $38 million or, or so? Uh, probably not. But you know, I, I think it's just, it's kind of apples and oranges, uh, both of which are fruits. So I guess we can compare them to some extent, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely interesting uh, to see how that worked and, and slightly different from what we saw with Kyle Schwarber. I want to go back to what you were saying about the Cubs trying to be competitive and maybe this is a signal that they'll be competitive. I'm looking at them right now, Evan, and I look at a division, there are two teams that completely just punted on the 2022 season. The Reds and the Pirates are like, we're good. We're not going to compete. Don't worry about us. I wonder if what type of impact that has on Jed and him building specifically for 2022. Obviously, he's got to have a big picture. Like, he's got to see the mosaic. And he's got to think beyond 2022. But when you know for sure the two teams aren't competing, it increases your odds of winning the division. So what does that do to how you put together your team? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's got to be huge, right? And, I mean, look at one of the first, or really the first significant move the Cubs made in the offseason. It was picking up Wade Miley off waivers because the Reds didn't want to pay him $10 bucks, right, to be a really competent starter. They, they got rid of Miley, and they traded off Tucker Barnhart. Um, and, and I think you, you kind of saw it at the time. I mean, I, I knew at the time that they were going to just be selling everything off. And we've seen that come to fruition. Yeah, I think Amir yeah, Garrett it, just went to Kansas City too, which is which is wild. Again, well, he can after that video I interacted with him the other day on Twitter because he had a weird video throwing plyos. I'm glad he's out of the division though, uh, but Javi's not there anyway. So I guess the, the and neither Schwarber. So there's no real fireworks left. No reason to keep him around. No fights to draw the crowd there in Cincinnati anymore. But there's well, there's nothing to draw a crowd in Cincinnati um, at this point. So, yeah, I mean, you have to look at it and say, well, there's two of them that are gone. You know, what What have the Brewers really done? I mean, Andrew McCutcheon is not the MVP-level player anymore. So, you know, what has Milwaukee done to add? What What have the Cardinals really done uh, additionally? They made their big moves last year and the year before. If you can go out and just get a couple of pieces, and now we're talking about an expanded playoff field, you don't need to win 90 games to make the postseason. And we've seen from several other teams that all you've got to do is get there. Right, the Nationals got hot. The Braves got hot. Made it through. So uh, that that definitely, if the Cubs can make another couple of moves, I think they still need another arm. I think they still need a lefty bat. But that automatically vaults you into the into the conversation as far as the NL Central. And then beyond that, you can make some noise. The, the staff needs a little work. It's hard to get through the playoffs, you know, with with what they've got currently. But uh, it, it's not a Herculean task to make that team into a competitive uh, group. What do you expect will be the way they approach Wilson Contreras, both 
how many games he's going to catch versus like DH or playing out in the outfield and whether or not they want to sign him long term. Um, you know, it's it's up until this morning, the deal they signed with Jan Gomes was the largest they had given to a position player since Jason Hayward. Uh, hard as that is to believe, $13 million for somebody is the most they paid since Hayward to a position player, um, which signals that this is not a guy that they just got to catch once every fifth day, you know, to be somebody's personal caddy and to only be back there occasionally. I think when you look at the comments from David Ross, from Jed Hoyer, and even from Contreras himself, you know, they've said, hey, we need to give this guy more rest. And and I know that's maybe a little bit strange. You know, you want an everyday catcher, but, I mean, if we're being honest, as much as he, he does have value, certainly with his arm, with his athleticism behind the plate, his bat is really what makes him valuable. And if you lose that value by having him catch more frequently – then really what's the point, right? Give him a break. Let him DH a couple, three times a week even. Set that up so that he's put in the best position to impact the roster. And and I think with what we're seeing here, the, the Suzuki signing, bringing Stroman in on a relatively short-term deal, that signals their, their need and their desire to compete quickly, which to me signals that they'd be looking to try to lock Contreras up. Because you, you don't, if you trade him off, that is not a sign that you're trying to be competitive it's uh, it, it absolutely hurts you in the short term and really would only be something for prospects that would maybe pick up perhaps at the end of that five-year window. So I think they need to start getting aggressive with trying to lock him in here for the next four, five, six years, whatever that might be, so they can continue to keep that window open. And, and they know, you know, the one thing I'll add to that too is Miguel Amaya, the top catching prospect after really playing very little last two years, had elbow reconstruction. He's out this year as well. So I think you have so much uncertainty in that position moving forward that locking that in and using the DH as that extra little lever point to uh, to keep him active, keep those legs fresh, that's huge. I, I would I would be surprised if they don't have something locked in with him by the end of the spring. How do you view the Cubs' ownership and their flirtation with maybe buying a, a Premier League soccer team? Um, I mean, my first thought is that you know, I think it's probably a much more secular society in England, so they can avoid any kind of biblical losses if they do have a <laughs> franchise there. Um, that that was uh, yeah. Thank you, thank you. That was uh, I pulled out the best dad jokes for you for you today, Lawrence. Um, but no, I mean it, it is. I joke about it, but to that end, it is a bit strange to hear talk about how you know owning a baseball team is is not you know, like sitting on a pile of cash and all this. And yet we're hearing a potential $4 billion bid, maybe more for Chelsea. Um, that, that is hard for a lot of people to swallow. I do think though, at the same time, when you look at some of the stuff that's out there and, and you hear about how, you know, sports have really become like this elite kind of, or, or I shouldn't say, and the asset diversification for the elite, right? That's how they view some of these things. You can, you know, rather than holding it in, stocks and real estate, you can buy professional sports teams. And I know this is something that, that Tom Ricketts has apparently had his eye on for a while. So um, it's interesting. I don't know enough about European football to really be uh, too invested in the specifics of what that means in terms of, you know, that franchise's specific value and, and that sort of thing. But 
Um, it's not surprising, but again, the optics of it are not great based on what we've heard and seen from not only Tom Ricketts, but other major league baseball owners. So it is a little bit funny, but, uh, but I also think maybe on the flip side is, Hey, if you're going to go spend $4 billion on a soccer team, maybe that means they're going to have to be putting some more money back into the product that they're putting on the field at Wrigley, because otherwise fans are going to be really upset by that. So I think the PR move uh, could end up being a very good thing for Cubs fans. You're being applauded on the text line and in the, the chat saying that your range is wide because we come on, you're talking about Wu-Tang, then you give us this in-depth breakdown of the Cubs as an organization, and you throw in a good dad joke. I mean, that's a pretty good day. It's, uh, yeah, you know, and, and I, got, I still got a lot of it left, you know. I, I, am, a, I am a renaissance <laughs> man, and, uh, you know, I might, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll are you going to Are you going to be out in, in on the farm today, throwing the ball around, or what? I, uh, you know, I got to. Well, I might. Uh, I got to go pick up my son from uh, from baseball practice later, and and we're going to go throw a bullpen. You know, who knows? We'll. Uh, I, I might. Uh, I might show him a new new pitch grip or something. I don't know. I gotta. I gotta get out of my chair. It's like seventy degrees outside. I think when we're done here, I'm going to go sit outside. And, Get a little vitamin D. I think that's a really good idea, sir. As always, I appreciate your time and information. All right, Lawrence, have a great rest of the show. I will do my best. That right there is Evan Altman. He's so great. CubsInsider.com. If you're a Cubs fan, you need to be on that site, man. They do really good work, and Evan is just hes just a joy. And he's right. He is a renaissance man. So now that we're on Twitch, too, twitch.tv slash score. there is a little bit of room. I can i can pantomime the, the, the Suzuki batting stance and everything that I like about it. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 the score. Go watch video of him. Now, I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I, because I don't have the same type of balance that he has, but he holds the bat up high and then he takes a high leg kick and then doesn't drop his hands on the kick and then drives the ball. It's a really pretty right handed swing. It's not quite Albert Pujols, who is in the conversation of the prettiest right-handed swings, but it's pretty. And it's got some pop to it. So go look at some video of him. I I think that you're going to be like, okay, okay. He will have to adjust to better range of pitches and more velo in Major League Baseball. But... I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. And I think Evan's right. I do think that this means that the Cubs are probably going to be in a more competitive place this season than we may have expected. Yes, Brandon? No, I was just thinking to myself, like, when Gary got traded, I'm more still thinking of the AL Central. Because I'm thinking of the battles like Javi Baez going against Amir again. Yeah. And then a part of me now, I want the Sox to sign uh, Cal Schwarber. Now I really do. Just to have that whole but rival. But he's gone. And- he's with the Phillies. Oh, see, man. Why did I got to ruin it? See, I'm, not, I'm, I'm focusing so hard on the show right now. So I didn't see that part. He's short. He's going to be killing that short porch in, in, in uh, right field in Philadelphia. So he, he's off. But, yes, you're right. Amir Garrett versus Javier Baez, they're going to get to see each other some more. But the Reds have just been like, take all of our players. We don't want any of them. They're not competing at all. At all. When we come back, 
man, they are making a lot of money at the highest levels of broadcasting. I want to ask you about that, though. I think I know the answer, but I look forward to your feedback. Whether you want to text the show, 312-644-6767, or if you're inside the Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. There's a fundamental change on how Monday Night Football is going to be consumed. I'll talk to you about it. I've got some thoughts on it, and I look forward to yours. I'm Lawrence. This is The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. What is going to be your thing for the community? Nothing. There's some big money going around in broadcasting. It's not happening here at the score. I mean, everyone here is fine. Like we're we do all right. I'm not complaining. Mitch, give me more money. As far as national broadcasts of live sporting events, and this will be part of the stuff that I talk with my students about when classes start back up in ten days. I'm very excited to be back in front of them at DePaul. How we got to this place, there's going to have to be a lot of deep diving done by plenty of people inside media and people who observe media from an academic or just for fun standpoint. There's a new Monday night booth. Monday night football on ESPN is going to be Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. I enjoyed those guys on Fox. I think Joe Buck is really good at his job, and I think he gets a lot of hate that he doesn't deserve. Anytime that he comes on the score, he seems more than likable. His book, I think I can say that I can say it right. Lucky Bastard, really good. So I'm happy. I'm happy that anyone gets paid. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm pocket watching. I want people to get all the money that they can. What I do think is interesting is how in the last couple of years, the cycles of people hiring, that there's been enough leverage placed on these networks by really a group of like six people, eight people, that the musical chairs that's gone on has resulted in Troy Aikman signing a five-year deal for $95 million. And it's seeming like Joe Buck, or I'm sorry, $90 million for Troy, $75 million for Joe. 
That's yeah. a lot of money. Yes, it is a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Brandon, will you look up Troy Aikman career earnings? Because I have a feeling that it's this five-year deal that he's signing now is more than he ever made as quarterback of the Cowboys, which is exactly what happened with Tony Romo. Tony Romo signed a 10-year deal with CBS, reportedly worth $180 million. $18 million a year. How much money did Troy make? Okay, so they're saying right now during his NFL career, he earned a total of $27.4 million <laughs> base salary and $17.85 million in bonuses. Let's call it $50 million. Pretty much $55 million right there. He's going to get, for talking about football, almost double that. I'm probably happier for Joe because it's easier for me to see myself as Joe broadcaster guy like I can see myself and go man 70 million now they're going to do all sorts of stuff according to ESPN's press release they're going to do stuff on the ESPN plus platform but honestly like you're paying those two guys to present Monday night football to people what I don't quite understand is why the networks feel compelled to pay this type of money. All of the people there that are in this kind of musical chairs, like if we're talking about Sunday 325 game with Nance and Romo or the Fox game with Joe and Troy or Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night, obviously, they're all worthy of high praise. I'm a big fan of Kevin Harlan. He's my favorite. And I my hope is that th- there would be opportunities for him to maybe move up and and be on some of those games. But I I think that it's really interesting that they feel like that adds to the viewing experience. And, and, and it does. There's no doubt that I get insight, I would say, especially over the last four or five years from Troy, that I think is great and relevant. I think he's really, really good at his job. But I, I also keep wondering, do the networks think that people won't watch? Like, do they have data that says, when we had Steve Levy in there as the play-by-play guy, ratings went down on Monday Night Football on ESPN. Now, Brian Greasy is out being a quarterback's coach now at San Francisco. Lewis Riddick still works at ESPN as one of their analysts. I think he's really good. And I think maybe in a two-man booth, he could have been even better than working the three-man booth with Grease Man and Steve. With with the NFL, the NFL is, um, when it comes to ratings, what's important to television networks is how are people consuming your product and are they doing it live? Because then you can charge advertisers up the wazoo. Because 
you can't get away from it. You're not going to turn away from an exciting NFL game. If you look at the top rated, top 100 rated television shows of 2021, almost all of them were football. Either pro or college, almost all of them were football. I think it was 92 of the 100 were either you know, national championship game, the playoffs, and then NFL games. Clearly, that's, what, that's the, one of the things that is bulletproof when it comes to live television. But I, I'm still wondering, is all of this stuff that we're seeing with Al Michaels and him leaving NBC and, and, and maybe leaving NBC to go to Amazon and all of this stuff, it, would it matter? I'm not sure that it would matter to the viewer as much, so much that they would walk away from the broadcast. You'd have to be pretty terrible to do that. But this type of money, I don't know if any of us that work in the broadcasting industry ever saw this coming. Now, it's a very small group of people that can make this type of of dough. Stephen A. Smith, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, Jim Nance, Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. And we'll see what happens with Sunday Night Football now. And there's talk that Aaron Andrews is going to leave Fox too. My point is, and I hesitate to name names because I don't want anyone to feel lesser, but let's just call it Broadcaster X. Broadcaster X has been working on the number two team for CBS. Has been working on the number two team for Fox. If they were immediately elevated to the number one spot for that, and let's say that that, that you weren't necessarily like huge fans of that person, you're still probably going to watch. It seems like a... I'm trying to figure out who the networks think they're betting, who who they're negotiating against. And how can I get some of that Skrilla? Damn it, I need, I should not have given up my play-by-play stuff. I should just keep doing it. And then get to the top of the profession. Then I can be Gus Johnson. I mean, you could talk to Mitch, see about Bulls games or Cubs games. Yeah, yeah. DePaul games. Oh, I've done DePaul games. You don't want no more DePaul games? I'm still mad at them for what happened at the end of the, the Big East series. Wait, Mitch is in the office now. Uh, one, can I have a raise? Um, two, all right, look, I'm going to actually interview you now. Like, I'm going to actually get your expertise now. You've worked in this business for, what, four decades now? What do you think is happening with the network's and the amount of money that they're willing to pay to bring in big-name talent like Al Michaels, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck. How did we get here where 
the the commentators are making more money than the athletes. Yeah, I think it's uh, crazy. I mean, look, you know, you obviously you're talking about Aikman and Buck, and they're under contract, and they're going to work for direct competitors, um, breaking their contract. It, it's crazy times, right? Um, I think it's the appeal. I think the public loves announcers, loves to talk about it. You know, it it matters, right? Are you not going to watch or listen to a game if you don't like the announcers? Maybe. It's also, Lawrence, I think, different ways to consume games, right? It's not just TV and radio anymore. There's also different streaming uh, services and different announcers. So I don't, you know, it's so – this Buck and Aikman thing – Threw me totally I, mid contract. Oh, I'm going to work for the direct competitor. Didn't that blow you away? Yes. I mean, and, and the number like 165 million for the pair. I, I was blown away by that. Incredible. And it's not just them. Like I was talking to a former executive um, for one of the big sports entities who was in my office the other day. And he said, it's not just them. It's their producers. It's some of their production team that, that go with them. And then the next question, don't you think Aaron Andrews will go right. with them? It's part of the team. They make a great, you know, three-person broadcast team. Okay. Do I need to get back into play-by-play? Well, you were very good at it at DePaul. I, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, Cubs were doing spring training. It came up last minute. Uh, I've got some uh, people. We're going to make an announcement uh, next week. Some uh, people besides Pat. Pat's got some other responsibilities, and Zach has some other responsibilities. But, yeah, I think you should do it. I, I think it, it just spreads your brand and other people's brand. If you could do other things, I think it's great. I'm a big believer that it, you just can't, you know, sports radio is great. You have other responsibilities in the podcast world. You teach. I'm a big believer, as long as it's not direct competition, that you're doing stuff across the street, not just you, others. Spread the brand. I'm Expand the brand. I'm a big believer in that. All right. So, Brandon, we're going to go do play-by-play. Now. Let's go. That's what we're Let's doing. Do DePaul? We're gonna... We doing DePaul? Well, Lawrence, Bulls, whatever it takes. DePaul. Yeah. Um, I'm trying back. to think. State championship for football. State championship for basketball. It's a lot of fun. People missed out. Me and Golf doing play-by-play for the IHSA, man, we killed that thing. It was awesome. What about this? I know you were, um, you know, the score softball team. You're a big part of that. Now, I don't want to predict injury. I hope you're not injured. But what if we streamed uh, score softball next year? That would be kind of fun. Well, my hope is that I've. I'm I'm back in shape now so that I won't get hurt. Right. That's the hope. Right. My hope is that the manager this year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does a better job of putting me in the right place to succeed. Mm-hmm. See, look, this is why I love working with you. Mm-hmm. You always put me in a place to succeed. Try. Our manager last year, mm-hmm. he's got me all over the place. He's like, oh, no, no, go play center field. I'm 45. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be playing center field. Run, put me, Lawrence, run. Right. Put me in an old man position. I want second base. But no, Bramer's out there. Go play short center. Go play left. All this stuff. No, man. I, I am old. Let the young people go run after the ball. <laughs> oh, Hey, remind me with DePaul. It was you and Zach or when you yeah, did DePaul? Yeah, me and Zach, me and Corzine, mm-hmm. me and Blanzy. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. I enjoyed doing those games. It was a lot of fun. And you I traveled. Mean, well, real quick, I hate to interrupt your show, but I'm always curious. I'd like to interview you one day uh, for the House of M that's not built yet. Um, <laughs> what was your favorite road game? What stadium? 
I really liked Vanderbilt when mm-hmm. we went there inside of conference, even though there were, uh, you know what, Villanova mm. inside of conference. I Because oh, DePaul never rose to the level of playing in, in Philly. Mm-hmm. We literally played on campus at Villanova. Oh, wow. It's a nice facility mm-hmm. that they have there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we could do a reverse episode of House of L. That'd be fun. And you've always wanted to interview me, too, so it, it would be fun. Yeah, I got some questions. <laughs> I have some answers. Good. That is Mitch Rosen. He's <laughs> in you, charge Lawrence. of the Chicago market. Monday? See ya. Yeah. Of Odyssey. All of this is pretty crazy to me. I'm sure Parkins and I will talk about it more because we usually enjoy kind of batting around that type of stuff. I'm super late for a break. But you know what? The boss was in here, so I get get off with that, like I'm not gonna get in trouble. Back after this in the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'll make this brief because we are already behind. I want to see a better effort from the Bulls tonight. From the moment that the ball is tipped, the ball is tipped. I want to see them with a better effort. It doesn't even matter if you lose. Just play better. And I I would like to walk away from today's game feeling better about Zach's knee. That, That would also be a good, good thing for me. So better effort all the way around from the Bulls tonight. The game, you can catch it here starting at 745. We have the pregame for you. We're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, Harkins and Spiegel are in the house. We will talk to them both next on The Score. The Chicago Bulls play here. Rebound down the floor. DeRozan to Green with a right-handed power dunk right in the mug of Kevin Herter. Listen to the Bulls compete with the best in the NBA right here on Sports Radio 670 The Score, 670thescore.com, and the Odyssey app. We are Chicago's official audio home of Bulls basketball in Odyssey Station. Ranked for top undergraduate business programs by U.S. News and World Report. Governor State offers flexible, affordable degrees to help propel your career. Learn more at Governor State's Open House on Saturday, March 19th at 10 a.m. Register at govst.edu slash open house. C4ABC.com for details. Can your AC handle the heat of the upcoming season? Don't wait. Plan ahead with AB. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.